right, now that we're all on point here, I, now that we know who's in charge. Uh, good morning, Matt Walvin. How are you, good sir? Coming off a fantastic Super Bowl 58 game. Yeah, probably one of the be- better games I've seen in the Super Bowl for sure. I-, I would think it's certainly a top 10 caliber Super Bowl easily, arguably maybe a top five. I don't know. What do you think, Bob? I loved it. I thought, you know, uh, I know a lot of people are complaining. Well, okay. So if you are like, like many of us in the fantasy industry forced to turn into a betting sharps, uh, which my uh, colleague at Sirius uh, reminded us we're blunts more so than sharps in that regard. Right. I mean, you know, but the correlation between player props and fantasy is obvious. And, and so that being the case, I would have loved to have a mountain of offense. Right. Yeah. I wish this would have been an I, an offensive fireworks game. And, you know, in the end, it was exciting. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, you know, nobody's prop bets came through. Everyone fell short of the expectations in that regard. Uh, but in terms of just overall thoughts on the game, uh, I would say great contest. Uh, fine with the outcome. Seemed very unscripted to me. I don't know if they would have made it into the second overtime. Maybe I would think differently. Uh, all the entertainment was fantastic. I like I have no idea. This is going to shock many of you out there. I am not like into Usher. I have no idea what was going on with Usher. I am familiar with his, you know, I I know him. If I see him, if he walked up to me in the street, I go, oh, dude, you're that Usher guy, right? And he would say, yes. And and and, and also like Ludacris and and the, the other fellow, is it Lil John? Yeah. Uh, and Alicia Keys. I mean, I recognized everyone. I didn't know any songs, but that aside it was very entertaining i thought it was cool as hell the roller skating everything it was you know it was like it seemed like they it seems like they're getting the half time show dialed in i have seen some people and i think this is a good recommendation i'd like to credit them it was on the x but there's so much going on on the x it's hard for me to keep up sometimes but someone said like basically you should do like a 45 minute halftime show show 15 minutes of it on the tv and on the screens in the stadium and show the full 45 stream it later on your whatever your streaming platform is associated with the network. Uh, Cause it is like, you know, you're trying to fit a super big production into a little narrow band. The halftime ended up being 32 minutes long, you know, in part because of all the setup and, and all that. So I don't know that that's ideal, but, but overall uh, I thought it was a great experience. It seemed like everyone had a great time in Las Vegas. I have covered many Super Bowls, Matt from Radio Row, I think about 10 years. And, uh, and, and I haven't done the last couple and, I'm perfectly fine with that. I feel like I've, you know, not saying the the novelty wears off, but kind of saying the novelty wears off, right? Mm-hmm. Of the the whole Radio Row experience after a while. But I, it was great seeing a lot of uh, you know our friends and colleagues there who have not had that experience as much, really enjoying it. And uh, <clears throat> and it seemed like the teams were all into all that portion of it. So I thought from soup to nuts, it was a. I enjoyed it. I know this might not be a popular take because people like to hate things, but I, I thought it was all fantastic. I Hey, look, I appreciate that. And I think that I'm kind of at a spot where like I can look at it in two ways, you know? And I think, first of all, it's probably best. The, what the Super Bowl is great for on one level, ultimately over my biggest insight is probably we should really, in this country, learn to appreciate... Um, art and the arts just in general and in the fact of like and not just appreciate the arts in the sense of because there's a lot of people whatever side of the political aisle you are on i really don't give a fuck okay i really 
care less about either of you who are hard stance on one way or the other fuck you to both of you on either side of it that's kind of how i look at it and i say that in a kind way while we're having a beer okay but like i i look at it in the sense of this is that because on either side of the aisle whether you're a book burner which yeah fuck you for being that or you're someone who wants to take their art and their appreciation of beauty and force it down other people's throats and tell them that they're awful people for not liking the same things you like, um, then fuck you back as well. Like, I think that that's the lesson that we should be teaching in America. And yeah, fuck me for trying to impose that too. <laughs> but like, I would put it as, I'd put it as this, is that really you, we should be teaching people that to appreciate art and beauty because when you do that, you appreciate differences and you appreciate the richness of those differences that are available to uh that are available everywhere in the world and it makes you a lot more um just it just helps you grow as a human being and appreciate things for what they are because what you find beautiful now maybe and ugly somewhere early on in your life may grow to being the completely opposite so you know when I first watched this game, the reason I say that is when I watched watched the halftime show. There's a part of me, and look, I've I've been I I like Usher. I know all his songs. I certainly, you know, I, I've certainly have had kids who grew up listening to Usher over and over and over again. So you, you know, I, I I appreciate what he does, and I definitely have always liked Alicia Keys, and you know, I've liked Lud some of Ludacris and all of that. So that's cool. But um, what I at first I saw this as an as the old man portion of me now is like god america is so much about excess everything is so excess it's like making me nauseous just like how excess all this is from like the every commercial to all of this stuff and then there's a part and then the part of me that's like dude lighten up you know right. i mean seriously like this is it's pretty awesome a lot of this stuff the 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 creativity of these commercials are awesome they're some of them are pretty fucking funny you, you know i really enjoyed a lot of uh all of those things were entertaining it's just it's just like everything packed in to a level of like it's like a it's like a candy bar loaded with like so they, much sugar you're gonna have a freaking coma you're gonna be in a coma they, afterwards they definitely you know? turned it up to 11 right i mean yeah and it's yeah, like and, so i'm and, a i appreciate i appreciate the 11 but because it, everything feels like it's got to be 11 sometimes right, i'm okay with like a three every once in a while you know? <laughs> well the first quarter might have been a three the, the first quarter you know but that three that was cool about the first quarter was and when we get to the game itself yeah i like that it was a defensive battle early on i, I appreciated that. that there was some i appreciated that there were some turnovers that were created and the teams had to battle back from some difficult things i really felt like no one really lost the game on the level of like horribly screwed up if there was anybody that i was going to say lost the game it was going to be isaiah pacheco if the chiefs lost that game he right. was the guy who had the worst game with the two fumbles uh even if the pitch you would say was off a little bit in the first play of the second half that was the guy i was worried oh god i feel bad for you but i don't feel bad for anybody that's what i like about well, this game Greg Greenlaw, 
I mean, I feel horrible for Drake. I Green do. Now. That's true. I mean, that's crushing. Yeah, that was I crushing. Mean, that was awful. I mean, honestly, just like yeah. one, of, one of the worst things I've, you know, just like that's an jumping indignity. up and down. Right, yeah. Right. Just like ready to run out there and kick yeah. a little ass and then boom, the yeah. Achilles pop. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But but I'm with you. Like, I, I, so, you know, from a fantasy perspective and, you know, you know, forwarding that on the prop betting angle of that and the DFS angles and all, I want all the offense. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the, 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 that's what fantasy is all about. And so I, you know, on that level, maybe I was disappointed um, that all the happy stories I told myself about this game, how it might play out. And I had various scenarios that my preferred one was a huge Christian McCaffrey day. And, and I think, you know, he kind of went down the middle lane of that and showed signs of how it could have been a huge game. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and also, you know, I enjoyed the part, you know, some of the, the, outlier guys i did a whole article on that on football guys this week on you know which of the outliers should play all of them apparently yeah all of them are active right or at least a a good number of them Jawan jennings great showing marquez valdez scantling shows up michael hardman gets the chris conley on play. special chris teams conley. chris conley i you know i don't tweet much during the games i did tweet i said you know i don't believe in revenge game narratives but chris conley is doing his best to convince me otherwise those special teams plays were killer. He I was, was knocking at that. I was shocked Jim Jim Nance didn't talk about the Chris Conley, Richie James being starting right. on opposite teams, right. um, you know, angle until the third quarter. But, you know, there was so much to talk about. That wasn't, like, seriously one of the big things. But, yeah, I love I love seeing that as from a pure football standpoint. From, from a pure football standpoint, this was a great, great game. And and I love seeing I I always love Jawan Jennings just because he he is kind of a Heinz Ward Jarvis Landry style of player who it was one of my favorite in that 2020 class because of the fact that he's a hitter he's just savvy he he plays bigger former than his quarterback. size you know former quarterback <laughs> who you could see how that worked out for him there's a lot of guys who are former quarterbacks who you know like what's the saying you know you're the best guys on the team are either quarterbacks or the star running back right yeah. uh, you know in in high school and you know then they kind of filter yeah. it out when they get into college so uh just you mentioned Isaiah Pacheco a little bit of a disappointment um I would tend to agree with that but just in general uh the Kansas City offense what you take away from this and what we should look for going forward based on that well I mean I think you know, for me, and I'm just going to, this is kind of one last overall thought about the game that should go bleed into the rest of this analysis. And I'll just say this is that really what we saw this week was that, you know, the, the chiefs, you know, last week when we talked about predictions, I think I said 24, 21 chiefs. And so what, what wasn't bad. I was about two points off, you know, on yeah. one on each side, but the reason being, and I think I said it was that they, the, the 49ers are the better team, but the Chiefs have key players who, if the game stays close, will be better in the end. And that's essentially because those key players, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, McDuffie yeah. and Sneed, and Travis all Kelsey, yep. they all can Rose improvise and, and and they can all adapt and overcome. And as what Tony Romo said that was key in the second half was that Chris Jones is starting to figure out what the 49ers are doing and he's abandoning what the ski, the defensive scheme says and is just playing. And he's just reacting to what's happening and making educated guesses. And at key moments in the second first half and in the second half of that game, 
whenever it looked like there was about to be a big play, Chris Jones shut it down with pressure. Um, you know, there were a couple plays that if he didn't pl- apply that pressure, Brock Purdy probably throws touchdown passes. And and this has been a recurring theme throughout the playoffs. Right? And, I mean, this is, yes, and a right. recurring theme throughout Chris Jones' career. Right. Yes, you know that as well. It's like you don't see him for like plays at a time. You know, like you would see someone like I, I don't I don't want to compare him to anybody else, but you'll see some really good players who it's like they're having a really good game. And it's like they're involved in almost every play. It seems like it's monstrous. Chris Jones is one of those guys where you don't see him in every play, but when it's key plays, suddenly it's like, where the fuck did that guy come from? And it's like, and he does that all the time. Yeah, there was, a, I mean, there was, a, like, you know, Nick Bolton quietly had a great game, right? <laughs> like, it was, it was all over the field. Justin Reed, uh, Carl Loftus made some plays. Yes, Gay, Chanel, so. you know, yeah. you know, so, yep, I mean, yeah, and then when you look at the offensive side of the ball, I mean, of course, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, we've talked about this since October. You know, I know Brandon and Angelo and I did since October, is that the, what makes a difference with that team is that they're great improvisers. And while that while the Chiefs receivers have not been strong from a fantasy perspective, what the reason why the Chiefs continue to win and play well is that they still have Mahomes and Kelsey to improvise and adapt. And football is a lot of that. There's a lot of scheme, but the great players can make those types of adjustments. That's why Brett Favre can, you know, everybody hates now, but, you know, we're going to look back and talk about the player that Mahomes compares to. He's the next, he's Brett Favre, really not 2.0, but Brett Favre times two. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe minus certain riskiness. But the thing is, is what made Favre great is that he could see through all the scheme bullshit because he didn't always know all the scheme bullshit very well, but he could see through it and find a way to adapt even when he kept screwing up and I think Mahomes is one of those guys that things go wrong and he adapts but he has limited mistakes he's a much he's a he's a wiser Brett Favre that's how I would look (laughs) at him with a you know with a you know with maybe not as hard of a throwing arm but but a more artistic ability and creative ability more you know in terms of what he does and I think him and Kelsey figured those things out and Spagnolo and, and Reed, you know, certainly are adaptable too. Certainly Spagnolo was, you, you know, and I, and that was the difference. Cause the, you look at the 49ers and it's like Brock Purdy didn't play poorly. No, he played well, but there were he a little help on the, with the yellow line. Could yeah. have kept a little of that, but and that's credit to Spagnolo and the, the players themselves. I mean, they, they kept him on the hot seat, but I feel like that's probably a, an area of, that the 49ers are going to feel like they need to address this offseason. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the 49ers are, you know, you look at, you look at them and they didn't play, they didn't play badly either. But what about you, Bob? I mean, what did you think about the chiefs offense on this? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, like, you know, if you're out there and you're in the uh, dirty prop betting streets, you know, Patrick Holmes came through passing and rushing. Isaiah Pacheco fell short. Uh, Travis Kelsey landed uh, nicely. If you were out there throwing darts at Marquez Valdez Scantling, I think his over under was 19 and a half for, for most of the week, and he hit 20 and got the touchdown. So <clears throat> I think all Kyle, you know, yeah, there was a lot of guys, outliers that hit their marks as well uh, on the. On the 49er side, all the primary guys came up short except McCaffrey on his uh, receiving prop. Uh, so, so I don't know. I thought it was. I thought I. I wish there was more offense. I wish it played out the way I predicted it would play out, so it would not look like a big dummy. 
Um, but I don't feel like it looks like a big dummy. Nah. Basically, my premise was was it was going to be a close game, something similar to what we saw with the Baltimore-Kansas City game, and that that Christian McCaffrey would be the difference maker, a couple big Christian McCaffrey plays. Well, he was, he, he, he was made, on path, he, yeah. Right, he, you know, he was one play shy of that being a different outcome, right? Yeah. And them scoring, I predicted 31-24. Uh, so one more touchdown probably would have got me pretty damn close to my predicted outcome had they won. I think so. Just in general, I think you know Brandon. You know, as we're going into the the next year, the Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, you know, not great showings, but nothing that's going to to alter their value, right? Yeah. I think maybe people. One of the things we do in fantasy, and I'm a big fan of fuck that, but. It's something we do is uh, we remember the last thing we saw. And, you know, two years ago, Gabe Davis, you know, was a wide receiver two in, in most fantasy drafts based on a huge playoff showing. I don't think there was any of these huge altering, although I think Isaiah Pacheco, as you mentioned, people will have a little bit of a sour thought in their mind. And maybe you can, you know, leverage that into a little additional value because I think he'll be fine next year as a fantasy prospect. Probably should be a top 10 running back. Uh, in your fantasy drafts. Maybe he slides a little yeah. bit. He's been going, the, the early mock drafts I've done, Matt, it's been like the tail end of round two. He might slip into the, you know, the the turn at round three. Um, that might not be a price that I'm averse to uh, as we get yeah. closer to the season, and especially it, if it drops a little bit after this. And, and it shouldn't drop because it, it shouldn't, it, it it shouldn't but it will. But it shouldn't, and I'll tell you why, so that you do leverage this a little bit more, just to add to your argument that you should leverage it, is that, it's not like they put Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in or Jarek McKinnon no. in. Um, they told him to hold on to the ball tighter, and they kept going to him. And it, before the fumble, he looked great. Yes. He was running strong, and then the fumble shook him a little bit, and it shook the team a little bit. But they, they kept going to him, and they tried to go to him early in the second half. Um, but that's the thing. They didn't take him off the field a lot right. as a result of that. So that tells you that this team believes in him. And that's a that's an important that's a valuable yeah, Jer point. Jarek McKinnon's biggest play was pulling was pulling the uh, overheated Kelsey yeah. away from uh, Andy Reid before yeah. somebody fell down, and, and it looked and people got even more upset about what they were seeing. People my, who maybe don't look at yeah. a lot of football or understand who, who never played football yeah, that, uh, would have been more upset. I I will say this: I think the best prop bet that could never be made that I would have loved to see that I saw was. Um, how many people wanted to pull their hair out when Marcus, like Marcus Valdez Scantling, did exactly what Marcus Valdez Scantling does? <laughs> he he makes a shitty play and then he makes a good play. And, <laughs> right, and, and it's like and and Mar and I've seen the last year. I remember watching Patrick Mahomes throw a ball up to Marcus Valdez Scantling, who just made a horrible play on the ball, and and dropped it. And then and then Patrick Mahomes went right back to him on the next play and he caught it. And yep. it was the same thing in overtime or late in the, it was late in the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, I just laugh because I'm like, he's going to go right back to him because that's yeah. what he does. He knows it's like he's a slot machine, literally, you know, I mean, of a wide receiver. And I, I would, the prop bit is how many people like, how many people were like the Reese's commercial in the Super Bowl with the Carmel on top, who like they say one good th one good thing and everybody's freaking out. They say one bad thing and everybody's like tearing apart their living room. You know that was literally Marcus Valdez Scantling in terms of the Chiefs I'll offense. There. So the, the 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 that's you know just look at the other receiving assets there in uh, from a fantasy perspective. Travis Kelsey still a top five tight end. Did he push closer to number one with a huge 
you know, game closing performance? No, I think it's, I think essentially Travis Kelsey is what we're seeing right now, which is he's going to be a reliable part of the offense. He's going to be a key component as the game wears on because he and Mahomes have that great connection. But there are good talents that have caught up to him in terms of how they're going to be used. And he's no longer the dominant force. And it's not because he's older, but it's because the Chiefs don't have another dominant force opposite him. If you've got, if, if the Chiefs get Jamar Chase somehow, you know, uh, you know, or a Jamar Chase type of player or a Justin Jefferson like receiver or another Tyreek Hill type of receiver to put alongside of what they have, then yes. Travis Kelsey could be a dominant player once again. But Rishi Rice is a nice young player, but he's a schemed up wide receiver who's producing well, not a matchup wide receiver at this point. Um, what if, what if I told you that Rishi Rice in the first mock draft I did went in round three, at the tail end of round three, and the current mock draft I'm in, which is in pick 610, he has yet to be selected. I like the yet... I like the yet to be selected. I'm more on that side than I am on round three. And it's not because I don't appreciate what Rice did. It's just the Gabe Davis effect once again for different reasons is that Rishi Rice produced fantasy wise. But if you look at how he's used, he's not used a lot in one-on-one -on -one matchups where the game is on the line. He's not the Stefan Diggs of this offense. He was the Gabe Davis of this offense. And that's valuable for football, and it can be valuable for fantasy, but it's not reliably valuable for top five rounds in a draft, if you ask me. All right, a couple of just semi-related thoughts before we move on to some non-Super Bowl-related issues here to close things up today. Chiefs, officially a dynasty. Feel or fuck it. Oh, totally feel it. What do they won? How many have they won in the past five years? Three? Three. Three in the past five years? That's enough. Didn't the two in a row? Yeah. The Steelers were a dynasty after that at that point. And that was before they won the one, you know, that they won their fourth. You know? So yeah, they're they qualify. They are on the they have just entered dynasty um land, I would say. How about you? Uh oh yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I you know I Sometimes uh, the questions are based on single comments. So here's the thing about X people, right? Like, like <laughs> I hear you out there. I see like, you know, I, we were talking on the radio, Dempsey and I, and, and I think Bender was talking and, and they were lamenting, who are they called? The Brads and the Chads and those dudes that don't like Taylor Swift or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I'm like taking the bill. There's like five of those guys out there and they're just really loud. Nobody really cares about any of that stuff except like this small little tangle of people. Uh, and I think you see the same thing with like dynasty or not dynasty. Uh, and so, and, 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 and to carry that over, the Mahomes versus Brady talk. Uh, and, and so, again, this is a big Twitter war. I saw the best tweet on this. And I'm going to bring it up because it is worth it is worth talking about. What are your, just your thoughts on where Patrick Mahomes is in, you know, at this point? Okay. As a... From a mainstream media point of view, if I'm going to take that perspective, Tom, um, Patrick Mahomes is one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, he is not the greatest of all time because he hasn't won as many Super Bowls as some of the other players. His career hasn't played out statistically yet to be 
on par with the with the stat collection leaders that you would go look up on Pro Football Reference. If I'm going to take a more NFL insider's point of view, I would take it from that Patrick Mahomes is one of the most talented quarterbacks that has ever played the game, um, and that he is probably on his way to becoming the greatest all right. of all time. So I and that was uh, my buddy Mike File at Daddy's Home FF on on the X device. Mahomes has the greatest start to a career ever. Brady has the best full career ever. We can discuss the rest of what Mahomes has done. Now he's a big Patriots fan, but that doesn't mean he's wrong here. That yeah. means he's you know that's just like I mean rational yeah. views of things. People are are something we should like maybe hone in on a little bit. We don't have to be over the top in every single take. Well, Bob, we can we can boil down Twitter right now. I want I we're gonna have this conversation. We're only going to use two words: "fuck you," okay? And I want <laughs> just do it in a different tone. I'm, I'll start. Fuck you. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, that there's Twitter. There you go in a nutshell. All right. Unless you unless you actually like don't pay attention to all that stuff and cultivate an audience in a way that you're all capable of being able to do. So, you know, I I don't really care. I mean, you know. But uh All right. Andy Reid. Give me the Andy Reid. Big picture Andy Reid in the pantheon of coaching talent. He's one of the greats. I mean, I think top 20 easily. Um top 10 arguably. Um but I'm I would put it keep in that going. range. I I'm gonna put it in that I'm gonna keep it in top ten. Just because eras are different, you know. I mean eras True. of football are different, you know. Am I gonna bump like Chuck Knoll and Bill Walsh and Bill Belichick? Those and, bums. And you know, am I gonna bump Marty Schottenheimer? <laughs> you know, uh, Marty Schottenheimer probably deserves to be in that conversation, even though he is he never went to a Super Bowl. Um, but the the way that they built teams. But I would say that Andy Reid is certainly a great offensive mind. And one of the things that I love about him is that he's he does build. He has a scheme, but he and he's and like Kyle Shanahan, he does demand certain things from his players to fit that scheme, and he wants them to be somewhat scheme versatile. But he's also willing to take special talents and say, "Hey, you know what?" Let's work around this guy. Let's incorporate elements around what this guy does because you can't teach this. You can't scheme it. You need that kind of thing. And I would say that Kyle Shanahan maybe doesn't do that as well or demands more of like the scheme is my thing. He's much more like Kyle's more like the the football obsessed um kind of like you know as julian edelman said on a podcast recently he was you know he was sitting there and he was in a bathroom at a urinal taking a whiz and there's a guy talking to him about a a whip route that he ran and he didn't know who it was and he's like we're sitting here unbuckled doing this and and you're talking about i don't even know who the hell you are i'm just trying to get out of here and then finally he goes he, and the guy's like you don't know who i am do you he's like I, no he's like i'm kyle shanahan and he's like, the guy loves football so much that just out of nowhere, you know, so he's very myopic, focused, intense about what he likes to do right. and scheme oriented. He's like his daddy, you know, it's like the scheme's more important than the player sometimes, um, unless you have an absolute great. And that works. Look what, I mean, he got, they went to overtime in a Super Bowl and they've been to how many Super Bowls in the past? 
five years, three. three. So yeah. yeah, he's a great coach. But Andy Reid, Andy Reid's more like the guy that's you know got. Well, he was never. I don't think Andy Reid was ever uptight like Kyle Shanahan probably can be like in that focused way. And he's the guy who's had a couple of beers and he's like, you know, he's a little and he's a got some perspective and some nuggies, you know, and and he's like, all right. So, yeah, my scheme's important. This is what we need. But come on. You really think I'm not going to adapt to this? Let me let me adapt to this guy. Let me figure also out what's going to make know when work. it's time to bench Kadarius Tony and pretend yeah. he's hurt. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, so you know, I would say Andy Reid deserves, and especially this season, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes deserve a shit ton of credit for – having a guy in Kadarius Tony that, I mean, look, I thought Kadarius Tony was going to have a career year. Uh, obviously that went down the tubes as he was dropping balls left and right. Um, but Brett Veach was like, we think he can be that yeah. main guy. You know, that didn't work. Justin Ross didn't work. You know, Sky Moore didn't work. You know, you had all that not working and well, they still to, here. To the credit of both those teams though, they realize when things aren't working. Yes. said Trey Lance says yes. Tony. so like you know like hey we screwed the pooch here let's move on and figure out a different path and let the pooch run free yes uh so and no offense to the players involved but I mean it, it just wasn't working in those destinations or in the case of maybe San Francisco and Trey Lance he, he wasn't going to get was, a chance or it was working better <clears throat> because right it was working better go back to before the Super Bowl when we heard Jed York saying you know that Shanahan told, pulled him aside. That's my point. You know, said, yep. this is like our, our number three quarterback is our best quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, We're and not going to change like, our order right yeah. now, but but he might end up being our starter. Yes. And that's and people are <laughs> like, well, then that must mean Lance sucks. But no, nope. you can, you, you know, this would be my chance to plug the rookie scouting <laughs> portfolio at 2948 of this podcast, which is that, uh, that you know, if you read the rookie scouting portfolio on on Brock Purdy, then you see what I supplied to his co quarterback coach pre-draft uh, about him, and you'll know that he was better than what people were talking about. Now that I think he was going to be um, a starter, at, you know, in year one, absolutely, fuck no, absolutely not. But certainly thought he was better than Mister Irrelevant um, as an option and someone who could become a starter, a viable starter in the right system. And you see that if Shanahan saw it. You know that that's you know that's some validation there. So you know you can get your rookie scouting portfolio at mountwalden.com. If you're an old subscriber and for some reason your password you don't remember it, the password function's a little bit fucked up right now. It's been that way for about a year. You can just email me at mattwaldenrsp.com. I don't or mattwaldenrsp at gmail.com, and I'll get you a new password. It takes me all of like a minute or two to do. That's so. mattwaldenrsp.com or mattwaldenrsp.com to go purchase your uh, rookie scouting portfolio. Uh, you'll find all kinds of information there. RSP is where you do the purchasing, correct, Matt? Yeah, Matt, no, mattwaldenrsp.com. Oh, mattwalman.com. Do yeah. I have them backwards? I went and looked yeah. the other day just so I wouldn't yeah. have them backwards, and I still have them backwards. That's okay. We're It's all right. It's all those prop bets that you've had to, like, deal with. You know, uh, that, that, that's what's going on. Let's, well, let's again, if we're going to talk rookie scouting portfolio, let's talk a few rookies. Uh, we have three underrated running backs I want to ask you about here. Uh, Dylan Lobby, the New Hampshire Wildcat, tell me more. Yeah, I mean, the, you look at small school guys and you, you, you worry about them maybe holding up well, but – the, one of the great things about the all-star games that I, that I think is always valuable 
is when they bring in smaller school guys who are spend their career facing people about our size, Bob, as like linebackers. Right. And and you go, can they really hold up and with big time football? And Dylan Lobby is, you know, five ten, about two hundred and ten pounds. And watching him in, at the senior bowl, I think that was validation that he holds up pretty well. If you didn't want to look at the tape where he actually faced legit division one teams, um, you know, FC, you know, and what you see is quickness, really skillful pass catcher. So if you're looking for an Austin Eckler archetype type of player, Dylan Lobby has a chance to be in that archetype. That doesn't mean he's exactly Austin Eckler. It just means that he has, that he has some traits that could put him in a role similar to that. So, you know, very quick mover, very efficient, understands how to use his pads. He's not powerful, but certainly someone that can run between the tackles. And he has the weight to be able to handle between the tackles work. So this is this is a player that I think people should be watching. And I would say that this isn't this isn't people are saying this is a shitty RB class. But the people who say that are mostly fantasy wonks, you know. And I'm part fantasy wonk, so I will say it's not the strongest class at the <clears throat> top, right? You know, but there are a number of players who can play in this league and contribute and will have value. You're just not drafting them in your top 12 this year. And Dylan Lobby's well, one of those players. Uh, that could and be that, that doesn't mean you won't eventually, according to Isaiah Pacheco, a former seventh-round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Let's look at another one. Dejon Edwards uh, from Georgia. Yeah, I, man, you know, I enjoyed watching him. Um, it was the first year I really got a chance to watch him. Very quick, shifty. He was playing with a with an MCL injury that he suffered in August. He had a huge ass brace on him when I watched him this year, and he could still move very well. He's a good pass catcher. He's got some skills as a blocker that I think are going to worthwhile. He plays a little bigger than his 200 pound frame. Um, he's going to hold up pretty well as a as a change of pace guy. Maybe he can give you, you know, kind of like I'm. I think of Jalen Richard with the Raiders where. He can give you a little bit between the tackles if you really need it, but he can also play a little more than that. Maybe higher up than that. Maybe he's a little more agile, um, dynamic version of James White if he finds the right system. Like there's some there's some skills there for him that I'm I'm a big fan of. You have me a Jalen Richard, George Holani from uh, Boise State. This guy kept getting hurt throughout his career, but they were like. He had an MCL injury that cost him most of one year. Then he had another lower leg injury that Boise State didn't want to talk about that cost him six games this year. But when he's on the field, there's a play. I was joking on on X last or two nights ago that Usher may be dancing at halftime, but he's going to have nothing on what Holani did to the top-ranked UCLA rushing defense in 2023 when he caught a screen pass and literally made seven guys miss in the open field. Um, he's a good pass catcher. He's got some pass protection skills that are that are good enough that he might be able to grow into a role player in that sense. And I think he's strong enough to maybe add a little bit more weight and he could become a viable committee back. These are three guys that, when I say underrated, they're underrated from a football standpoint. From a fantasy standpoint, I would say Dylan Lobby is probably your best shot. Edwards is probably the guy that will be on bigger rosters. 
and Holani's the guy that's got the most boom bust, kind of like the highest, maybe the highest upside, the the biggest, <clears throat> the deepest floor. Yeah, I think with Edwards, the production coming at Georgia, that's, you know, puts him on more radars all by itself. And so uh, we'll be interested to see how these things play out. Again, get your rookie scouting portfolio. MattWellman.com is where you purchase. I wait. I want a discount. The discount's over, right? Early discount's bird's over. over. You, can, you can pre-order now, and you can pay the full freight. And I certainly appreciate you. 19 years, and, you know, my wife's bookbinding right now because she <laughs> apparently all this is because she wants to get me a – she wants to do a 20th anniversary well, set. I know. want a hand-bound, uh, super uh, Mrs. Uh, RSP-bound edition at some point. I'm going to demand that. Well, I, I, I hear you. So, well, for everybody else, you might have to pay a shit ton of money for that to happen. <laughs> I don't know, but I think we might. I'll even pay a shit up. ton of money. Yeah, but that's... but. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun present. But yeah, we can you uh, actually pick up a physical copy? Can you actually? I mean, like, is it so many pages? I'm I'm a very strong man. I uh, think so I think you I think you could replace some of your kettlebell workouts there with an R, with an RSP glossary. It's not like forklift. The the, you know, the, the, the RSP glossary. I once I have a I once I remember Bob. I, I used to get them uh, the physical copies. I once decided at one point that I was going to submit the RSP to the FSWA for a for something, and the and it broke the suspension on my car. So yes. I decided that this was not a good idea to nominate myself for this type of thing, um, because printing up and binding it was like a chore. So I just said, "Fuck it." You know. <laughs> All right, let's close this out. Let's close this out with some quick hitters. Feel them or fuck them. Devontae Adams staying with the Raiders. Feel it or fuck it. I'm feeling it now that they got Luke Getze in there because Getze and Adams know each other. Adams is going to feel a little more comfortable. Maybe they'll find a quarterback. Feeling his fantasy value regardless of quarterback. Yeah. Second round, late second round. Yes, I'm feeling that. That's a good point. That's a good place. Yeah, he's the price. The price is dropping, and I'm I'm chasing it ever downward every chance I get. I'm feeling cheap, Devonte Adams, uh, Kirk Cousins staying in Minnesota. Um, I'm feeling that. I think that they they need him desperately, and and they may draft another quarterback, but it's probably going <clears> to <throat> be a while. Cousins can give it another year or two. Little talk that he might give them a home down to scout. Atlanta might be in the run. We'll see. I mean, Atlanta is going to be kind of the pivot piece here, what they do in their pursuit of Justin Fields. And if yeah. they don't pursue Justin Fields, maybe then Cousins, Cousins yeah. might be like the ideal target for them. We'll see. I feel Kirk Cousins wherever he goes, though. Guy was quarterback four through eight games this yeah. year and we always we always are drafting him in double digit rounds you like I'll, that i'll continue to yeah. do that giants the new york football giants uh they have a kid named danny dimes a lot of talk that they'll draft a quarterback and continue to pay dimes his many dimes you feel that i do feel that i think that they're i think danny dimes is not the answer and they may they may draft a this may be the the step where they draft like the second or third round quarterback who they give a shot to once they bench dimes or get know that it's time to get rid of them and then they draft the first round guy and how dare you i'm not here for dime slander we're moving on ryan <laughs> Tannehill going to pittsburgh where his career would be rejuvenated by one arthur smith with whom he worked in tennessee I'm feeling that just from the standpoint of that he can be the Flacco-like presence for that team, where he can help a 
he can help the young quarterbacks adapt to the system and strengthen that room um, and play if necessary. But I don't think they will be taking him to be the starter. They're taking him to be the reserve they don't have to go, hope they don't have to go to will help the room. I feel that as well. But if you want a Flacco-like presence, I'm told Joe Flacco will be available and happy to roll off the couch and come win comeback player of the year if given an opportunity. Trade candidates for Mac Jones. I'll go ahead and say fuck that, but you go ahead and chime in. <laughs> I'll probably say fuck that too by the realism of what's going on in the world. <laughs> but he'll try and work his way up from a backup role somewhere. He'll get an opportunity to be a backup somewhere. And we'll close this out. Uh, will Will Aaron Rodgers return to form? Yeah, he's too obsessed. He's too he obsessed with the game, and he's a great player, whether you like him or not. Um, right. you, you know, I think he's you know i think he's one of the best quarterbacks that's ever strapped it on and he's gonna you know the jets hopefully he can i'd like to see him rebound with the jets and have a great year or two um to close out his career because you know you may not take him for advice about things out in society but you want to see good football players play their best and I'd like to see him end his career in his best Yeah, form. I don't give a fuck about any of that other stuff yeah. I care about on the field. And, and I do, like, there's been a lot of drama associated with the Jets. It feels like, to me, there are people in certain media outlets that have it out for Robert Sala, and he appears to have it out for them as well. And uh, there seems to be some really weird vibes going on. I'd like to see the Jets achieve a little bit of success and, and quiet all the tumult and, and Aaron Rodgers is their best path to that success. So. If they could trade Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson, I would think that would be the most Jetsian trade ever, and it would make me a very happy Cleveland Brown. I'll just put it that way. Uh, I, I can only imagine. And then Joe Flacco would return, and I would be the happy David and Joku dynasty owner. Yes! <laughs> all right, everybody. That's feeling or fucking for this week. We'll be back next week. Go to mattwallman.com to buy to buy your uh, Rookie what is it called? Yeah. The Rookie Scouting Portfolio. I'll spit it out. Uh, give me a minute. It just takes me some time. I'm very old. That's a thing, too. All right, everybody. You. We'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.